Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This episode of the Cult Pop Show podcast was brought to you by our Patreon. If you want to tell us which films we should watch, get up to two extra exclusive podcasts a month, give us something to talk about in the post credit scene at the end of each episode, or join us for our monthly movie club Zoom call where we discuss a film together, then please consider joining the cult and donating at www.patreon.com slash cultpopshow. Yagshamash and welcome to the Cult Popshow podcast. My name is AJ and I'm joined as usual by Richard. How are you going, Richard? Hello, I'm going all right. And you are tuning in to an interview episode. We haven't done an interview in years, Richard. It's been mm. ages. It has been. We, yeah, we, we love doing interviews. It's been too long. Arguably the best content we produce and we barely ever do it. Um, Inarguably and, the best content we produce. <laughs> and this is a very special special interview. This this is an interview with Lou Glukov, who is a production assistant, among many other uh, filmmaking things, who worked on, among many other films, Borat's subsequent movie film. And the way that uh, Lou got in contact with us is that a couple months ago, I released a video, we released a video, I should say, um, on the Cold Popsha YouTube channel, uh, which was all about Borat 2 and how it uh, treated comedy in a post-enlightened 2020 hmm. environment. In, and a, Lou in actually... a woke world where you can't say anything these days. <laughs> um, and... Lou actually commented on that video and and introduced himself as the as a someone who'd worked on the film. So we got in contact and to do a uh, a little interview with him. Uh, you can find a link to that video in the show notes. Uh, you don't really have to watch it if you don't want to. If you don't want to, well, because if you want to call yourself a fan of, of Cult Popsha, yeah, you need to watch it. Yeah, but it's also not exactly, we're not exactly asking him about the same What topics. did you think of my video? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what you should do before you listen to this episode is watch Borat's subsequent movie film because it does get a little, uh, at times, uh, there are moments where you won't know what we're talking about if you haven't if you're not familiar with the film i guess um and you should watch it because even just watching it will clue you into the fact that this was an incredible production an incredibly different production to what film productions Mm. usually are and lou was present for um a lot of the scarier and more uh, interesting um scenes from borat 2 we talk about it in the interview but lou was present for the debutante ball scene he was present for cpac uh the right wing rally which famously nearly got Sergeant Baron Cohen <laughs> lynched um and he was also he also has a lot of information around the QAnon guys that um Sasha stayed with for uh five days to uh to record to uh, while in character to get all the stuff they needed to tell their crazy and very interesting story um yeah uh th- so we've got he's got a bunch of stories about Sasha Baron Cohen about Maria Bakalova who plays tutor in the film um and 
yeah, we just wanted to come in at the start and say, if you're a fan of Cold Popsha, this should be a fun time. If you've discovered us through uh, through hearing about this interview, stay tuned. We've got heaps of stuff on here, but let's get to the interview now before we lose your, your precious attention. Um, <laughs> and let's talk to Lou about Borat 2. Very nice. My wife. We are here with Lou Glucove. Hello, Lou. Hello. <laughs> How is it going? I'm having a blast. I, I'm really <laughs> excited to be here. Mm, you're, you said you told us before we started recording that you're using a McDonald's Wi-Fi from your 100%... Um, what it was? What? How did you phrase it? From the van my you live no, in. My, my nomad life. Um, yes, very cool. <laughs> no, I'm I, I work in the film and television industry, and I was on the road so much that I made the jump to go nomadic. I, That's awesome. Yeah, I moved out of my apartment in the middle of the pandemic, and mm-hmm. I have been on my. I have been completely mobile since April 2020. Wow. And then not long after this movie comes out that like destigmatizes it and wins Best Picture. (laughs) So it's convenient timing. The humor on that one was I it comes out, I see it, and it's super moving for me. And then I work a movie in in March, and one of the producers for it was part of the creative team on Nomadland. I got a trip out of him being part of that. He got a trip out of the fact that I was a nomad uh, and working on things. And it it just, I love what I do. And when life kind of comes into the art, it's just marvelous. That's Mm. awesome. Uh, Cool. So we're we're mainly here to talk to you, Lou, because uh, you were a production assistant on Borat's subsequent movie film, and we made a video about that uh, film and wanted to get some insight, especially considering... Uh, how unique of a of a film Borat Two was, not just in terms of what the film was, but in terms of how I I assume it was made. So, thank you for coming on the show. We're very excited to ask you some of these questions. You're very welcome. I I watched the video and I I I I had to comment, which was not mm. something I normally do because mm. you guys really hit home on what it felt like with the project and That's awesome. I felt compelled to actually say something. And then because I was involved in the project, I made, I mentioned that I was, and here we are. So uh, Lou, do you want to just uh, briefly go over like what your role on Borat 2 was? Absolutely. I was hired as a production assistant, which in film terms means someone that does a little bit of everything at the bottom. <laughs> There is no such thing as a role in a film, uh, in a film crew that has no purpose. Every yeah. role has a purpose. Some people are better at them than others, but uh, production assistants allow production to happen. Mm-hmm. We are driving people around, running errands, making sure people don't go into places they're not supposed to. Mm. Uh, we we are there to help set things up, help break things down, move things. At the end of the day, if you don't have a good team of PAs, you don't have a functioning movie. 
there yeah. you go. When when we were at broadcasting school, I described um, working on on news as like every single role in a production is the second most important role because every single person has someone that is more important than them. Um, maybe even the top person who relies on you doing your job. And that's kind of like, yeah, the PAs, it's like, like you say, they're, they're at the bottom, but it is like the entire production falls over. Exactly. Mm. In terms of specific responsibilities uh, as, a, as a production assistant, like, can you give us maybe a couple of examples? Richard and I both are, are reasonably well-versed in, in the world of filmmaking, but for our listeners who maybe aren't, what's maybe one or two examples of what, a production assistant would do on your average film on an average film because it def because uh borat <laughs> subsequent movie film is anything but average sure yeah um <laughs> but uh but on an average on an average set they are running and getting people coffee making sure your actors are where they are supposed to be and knowing where your actors are at all times hmm. running er- running errands doing something called a lockup, which is preventing people from crossing into the line of the camera. Okay. Uh, and then you could also have an audio lockup where you're keeping people quiet so their voices don't travel and get heard by the sound department. Nice. And on a lot of sets, uh, you'll have a production assistant in a, uh, a van or a car driving people around if you don't have an actual transportation department. Mm-hmm. And so um, it really comes into a catch-all. I'm um, setting up lunch. They're the people. They're the people moving all your things around, be it tables, mm. chairs, tents. Um, it's a lot of manual labor. It's a lot of yeah, running yeah. around. Um, very little in the film industry is actually mechanicized. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of carrying of things. Right. And. PAs carry a lot of things. <laughs> nice. Well, your your nomadic lifestyle probably puts you in prime position to do that sort of thing. It does. It allowed me an opportunity that a large majority of the industry doesn't get because most people are most people in my industry are localized. They stay mm. in their home area and they find work that's around there. I on cool. the other hand as long as I can make sure I have a roof over my head and a place to go to the bathroom, I can go anywhere in the continental U S and I have, (laughs) um, in 2019, I worked in 17 different States. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Where are you right now? If you don't mind me asking, I don't mind you asking. I'm in greater Atlantic, Georgia right now. Oh, nice. Lots of film work there. I imagine. Absolutely. It is the largest film location in the country next to LA and New York. Cool. Uh, I'm here. I'm actually on one of my days off. I'm working on a movie at the moment, not as a production assistant, in the greater Atlanta area. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been a trip so far. Awesome. So how did you get involved with Borat 2 then? By being kind. I was, uh, I, the pandemic, uh, pandemic hadn't started yet. And I, I had just finished working and was sicker than a dog visiting friends of mine in Northern Virginia mm-hmm. and had passed up on another job. And a friend of mine who uh, I had worked for previously as a production coordinator had just gone back from a month abroad in Europe. And 
I was talking with her every day, giving because she was traveling alone and was just sharing her experiences from afar. And when she got back, she sent me an email uh, from the union production coordinator email list in LA. Mm-hmm. A project was looking to hire a production assistant local out of Savannah, down in Georgia. Yeah. And for three weeks. So three-week job means I, I can put myself up. I'm good. Three weeks mm-hmm. can be really good. So mm-hmm. I applied for it, had the phone interview, was hired in the interview, and then drove from Virginia to Atlanta. And mm-hmm. then, because uh, that's where everything was starting. And then we went to our first location, uh, which was in the greater Macon, Georgia area. Mm-hmm. And as irony, I. Irony had it. I was hired as a Savannah local and we never worked in Savannah. (laughs) (laughs) So we were there. We were in Georgia for three weeks. And then I got asked to drive up to Washington, D.C. to work, uh, to work the, uh, a week up there. And then my section of the the film ended. I came back to Atlanta to work another project. And then we were supposed to start up the third week of March and the pandemic shut everything down. Right. Wow. And like, as two people living in New Zealand, I do just have to ask, what do you mean by the pandemic? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm kidding. But, uh, um, no, no, I, no I, I, um, I am quite and I've, I've been following following all of that and have been quite envious of um, Coming down to New Zealand to work down there one day is on my list of things to do. A lot of film work here now, yeah. uh, Because I've loved a number of projects. uh, The Almighty Johnsons. Oh, wow. Not not every American we talk to knows about the Almighty Johnsons. Oh, it was was marvelous. (laughs) That's Um, awesome. In addition to everything with the Lord of the Rings and whatnot, New Zealand is a gorgeous place to to be Mm. and... A great place to film in, and I, as an American, as an American citizen, uh, because I'm considered below the line, which means I'm not a head of the department or a producer. Yeah. Getting me to work in a foreign country is a lot more difficult mm, than right. because because you have all these very good local talents who are there who want to work just as badly as I yeah, do. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, um, exactly. So, in, in this process of getting hired, when did you actually find out that you were that you were going to be working on a, another Borat? Because it was very hush hush in terms of it wasn't really known that it was filmed. Exceedingly hush hush. Mm. I did not know I was working on Borat until I appeared, until I got on location in Atlanta and started meeting my people in person. And wow. <laughs> which is not out of the ordinary. A lot of a lot of projects will you don't know what you're working on until you basically start what you're working on or get or get your initial paperwork. Mm. Wow. I, I would have to say, like, I don't know what, what your reaction was, Lou, but I would have had my mind blown by <laughs> discovering that it was Borat 2 was this job that I'd been um, hired for. Is that what it was like? No, not at all. I'm, <laughs> I'm very familiar. I'm familiar with Sasha's work, but was not a huge fan of his work. Right. I, <laughs> the, I, the type of humor was not the kind that appealed to me. Yep. And, you just sit and you're like, oh, this guy. Well, no, as, as, a, as, an, as an actor, he's incredible. And mm. with the material he comes up with and the creativity involved, 
I don't discount it at all. It just wasn't my taste. Hmm. But seeing him in things that weren't his own, where he was just part of the act, he was just part of the the talent. Hmm. You could tell he's very good at what he does. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. And part of the reason I was hired on was I have a large amount of reality TV experience. Mm-hmm. And even though this was a union production, it ran like reality TV. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And they were dealing with, um, they only had uh, about a quarter of the staff they actually needed mm-hmm. traveling with <laughs> us beca- because we, uh, Sasha very specifically wanted to have as small a footprint as possible and not let people know that there was a movie being shot there. Right. Or what movie it was being shot at all. One of my fellow production assistants uh, served as a photo double for Sasha and wow. would go to places dressed up as, as Borat to serve as a false flag to not let people think we were actually filming. Wow. <laughs> That's so interesting. That's exactly the kind of information I was interested in talking to you about. <laughs> <laughs> That's so cool. Um. So, with how many like, uh, with any more like sort of surprises that that like weren't typical of a film shoot that you encountered when when working on on this? We should actually ask. Can you tell us which scene specifically? Because um, you said you you weren't you weren't present for the whole shoot. Can you tell? I us wasn't which... present for the whole shoot. I worked. Yeah. I I worked on the debutante ball and the bathroom okay. scene in Georgia. Cool. And in, um, I was uh, involved with CPAC. Mm-hmm. And then the pandemic happened. The show shuts down. Uh, I move out of my apartment. I'm living with friends in Northern Virginia working as a nanny in mm-hmm. May. Mm-hmm. And I get a call from the production supervisor that says, we're coming back. And if you happen to be in the Pacific Northwest, we would love to have you. And I said, mm-hmm. of course I can be there. And I drove cross country. <laughs> it took me six days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, six days and like 20, 22, 2300 miles, maybe mm-hmm. more. I probably more, <laughs> probably <laughs> more. I, uh, it was a lot. It, I, it was a long drive. And yeah, yeah. then I worked, I'm, I worked uh, the month of June and a little bit of July in Washington State in Oregon. Uh, We were the first union production to come back online since the pandemic started. Mm -hmm. And uh, when the the film unions came out with what was known as the white pages, which is the COVID protocols that allow Mm -hmm. work to happen, we, uh, we were the very first project to come online that was you nice cool and what 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 scenes were shot in in that area in washington there was a lot of the story i right the storyline i the biggest piece was the uh the sequestering with the two QAnon guys Mm. really wow okay and and also the anti-mask rally oh cool oh (laughs) <laughs> this is so interesting. These are quite juicy scenes. <laughs> well, very much so. And after we were outed at the at the at the rally, yeah. we had to relocate from where we were staying in Tacoma all the way down to Eugene, Oregon, four hours to the south, because it got too hot to stay in Washington State. Wow, 
Sure. That's incredible. But yeah, so that, that, that's a bit of a famous like behind the scenes thing now. But for those that might not know about that being found out, do you just want to kind of set that scene for us? Absolutely. I'm. All of this is stories that I was told by members of the crew because I specifically said I did not want to go into the rally. <laughs> sure. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. But, <laughs> but my 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 particular role, I was helping a lot more on the coordination side of things mm. uh, because I have a large amount of experience in that. Mm. One of the things before I get into the the rally was each of us on the on the crew, we were handling a lot more hats than what a, a union crew is normally used to. Mm-hmm. A union crew, you stay in your lane, you do what you do your description of your job. Uh, on reality work, and especially non-union work, you have people who will handle multiple roles. Mm-hmm. So for me, I got hired as a production assistant, but it came out very quickly that I had coordinating experience, so I was able to find gear and crew uh, in various parts of the country. I mm. uh, was running around and making sure that we were able to find food for us to eat for lunch and get it all ordered because we were. I uh, sometimes we could order food, but they actually did a special stipend uh, where we were all buying our own food and cooking it ourselves. Because right. they didn't want to have the open spread of catering. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I I work in the art department on occasion, and you will see my handiwork on screen. Mm-hmm. All the emojis that are that are hand drawn for the faxes are me. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. And then, uh, I while we were up in. Uh, up in Washington State, I drove Maria's RV. Oh, cool! <laughs> because I have uh, I have years of non-union transportation experience, mm. uh, driving trucks on projects and whatnot. So driving driving her around was easy. Nice. That's awesome. but to I am um, to set the scene for the mask rally. Mm. They've been planning this for weeks, and throughout that whole time, you have Sasha embedded into the house where the two gentlemen are there with him. There's an entire crew on the backside of the house because the guys thought they were working on a reality show Mm -hmm. and just interact. And Sasha never broke character while in the house. Wow. (laughs) So they were the one he he and those gentlemen wrote the song. Yeah. 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 Cause I watched, um, I, they they recently released some supplementary material Mm -hmm. for Borat too. And it it shows them like create the song together, which I thought was very funny. (laughs) So that was like five days while they were in that house. And then all of them go to the rally uh, all my cameramen have I uh, have hidden cameras mm-hmm. um, in one form or another, and one of my uh, one of our camera guys what, uh, specializes in hidden cameras. <laughs> You'd have to for this, yeah. <laughs> well, absolutely, and they have uh, an ambulance set up as the getaway vehicle. Yeah, and they have a path preset on how to get out. Uh, everyone had uh, escape plans set up. You had the you had an entire contingent of the crew on there, uh, and you had production assistants, you had actors, you had the camera people, um, costumes, everybody 
everyone, uh, there was at least a representative of every department there. Mm. All the sound stuff was placed on everybody. And they go up there. Uh, the song gets sung. I, the bits going on in there getting recorded with uh, Maria and, and the two QAnon guys. Yeah. All that goes off without a hitch. And then one of my camera guys gets outed. Someone says, that guy has a camera. Oh, my God. <laughs> and that's when things really started. And I was off location, but listening to uh, I, listening to everything. We had a, a, uh, an online chat. We didn't have walkie-talkies. We weren't mm. looking like we were on a film set. Yeah. And things start to go south. Everyone is following their exit plan. And everything goes fine until they're... It, the exit plan, exit path is blocked because of an unplanned Black Lives Matter <laughs> counter protest oh to the, the alt right anti mask rally that we were at. Wow. And Borat is in the direct center of all of this. In the direct center <laughs> of all of this. And I, blessing to the powers, they were able to, everyone was able to make it off, off location to our rendezvous point. I, deeper into uh, Olympia, but I am still in the city, but away from everything. And no one got caught. No one got hurt. Mm. And it it was a real blessing. Yeah. 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 Cause there's quite scary footage of Sasha, like escaping, like people recognizing or, you know, realizing the jig is up and, and, and him running away into the getaway vehicle. Absolutely. And he broke character because the safety of his people was in danger. And Sasha, Sasha put the value of his crew above himself. Wow. What a great review of, of like, it's, it's so good to know that, that, that what this looks like a pretty dangerous uh, mission, you know, a pretty dangerous film shoot. And it's so cool to know that, that Sasha Baron Cohen has got like this priorities straight um, mm. when it comes to that sort of thing. And that wasn't the only situation where we were all in some form of danger. Yeah. I'll bet. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, the scenes I was involved in, uh, I, I was involved in, as I said, was the debutante ball, mm-hmm. uh, the bat, the bathroom, the bathroom interaction, mm-hmm. uh, CPAC and the mask and the anti-mask rally. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was told stories of what happened in New York when uh, Ju- with Giuliani. Yeah, yeah, I'll bet. Yeah, I uh, none of my crew got arrested. They had to send in a third party, t- uh, a third party company to pick up all the gear that was left behind. <laughs> wow, this is so, this is this is punk rock, man. Like this is <laughs> this is so awesome. My mentor, who is the DIT, the uh, digital image technician mm-hmm. she actually dodged police officers uh going down one of the elevators <laughs> as they were starting to lock down the building as she got the footage out wow um I, i'm curious like the, the, the debutante ball because that, that's something where obviously you've got a whole crew in there kind of thing what did you tell them that you were filming the debutante ball was that was special i uh, i was actually on location i was in the ball for that one hmm mm-hmm um, it was a four-month long con for that entire <laughs> organization, and 
to say that they were doing a documentary about the debutante scene in Macon, Georgia. Mm. So they got the, they got the organization to set up a ball specifically for <laughs> us to film. Wow. And I have a couple of stories with that one. If you had, unless if you had different questions. <laughs> no, no, no. Go on. Tell us some. Tell us some stories from from the debutante ball. Well, I two moments. One was uh, one was definitely a production moment, and then one was an interacting with with the people there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the production moment is we had all of our stuff set to be mobile, so uh, we had a video village, uh, a, a monitor with a tra- with a receiver t- for people to be able to watch what's being re- being recorded on camera. Mm-hmm. And we had that set up in an SUV, and it was my key set PA, one of the other PAs, myself, and one of the producers. And we're outside, we're outside at the time, and the producer wants to see what's going on. Well, everything in that in the village setup is is, is done, is off, and my other two PAs are deers in the headlight. They don't know what to do, and I take a look and I flip all the switches that need to be flipped, turn it on, and it pops on. The producer closes the doors and watches, and they come up to me, and they say, Lou, how did you know that? And I said, this is my last PA job. I'm joining the union to be in camera department. <laughs> and, and as such, I'm currently in the application process to join uh, IATSE 600, the, uh, the camera union here in the, in the States, nice. as a digital loader. I handle, I handle media now. Cool. So I, this really was my last production assistant job. Wow. wow. And the inside, they had vetted everyone who attended. And those who passed the vets were allowed to go into this closed room to interact with Sasha and Maria while they were in character. Mm-hmm. But there was a number of people who had failed the vet who still attended because you couldn't tell them not to show up. Mm-hmm. It, w- it, mm-hmm. would, it would alert them that something else is going on. And my second, my second assistant director and I uh, are in front of a pair of sliding doors that don't slide easy. So the two of us are moving them when people are wanting to come in and out. Mm-hmm. And I am not a very big person. Mm-hmm. Uh, I stand five foot seven and I'm very small in stature. Mm-hmm. And I did not know that I needed to be dressed up until I knew <laughs> I was told I was going to be on location. So I was in, uh, I was in a black polo shirt, khakis, and was wearing a pair of Apple, uh, the Apple ear, uh, ear headphones that had the the, core, the cable that ran to my walkie-talkie, so I could hear what was going on. And I had my walkie under my shirt, mm-hmm. so I, from the outside looking in, it looks like I'm a rather small security officer. <laughs> yeah. I and that the walkie was a concealed carried pistol. I <laughs> uh, and so I'm on one side. I uh, my boss, the second AD, is on the other, uh, who definitely looks older than I do, though I had him by a decade. <laughs> <laughs> the joys of good genes and good looks. <laughs> and one of the one of the fathers who stands around six seven, so towering over me, drunker than a skunk, is just trying to intimidate me in some fashion, coming into my personal space, and I'm just doing the I uh, the stoic. I'm a security guy, just doing my <laughs> thing. Mm. I I have 
uh, I have improv acting experience. So it, it wasn't that far out of, far out of the ordinary. Mm. And he says, I bet you're pack, I, I bet you're even packing over there. Cause it's, it's an obvious, it's an obvious bulge. Mm. And I, I do non-committal with my words, but kind of like give him a tilt of the head of like, you know, what's happening here. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and then he reaches down and pats me right on the walkie talkie. And I immediately change my demeanor where I push my shoulders forward. I tilt my head to the side and I have all humor vanishes from my face. And I give him a look of what did you just do? Wow. And the guy puts his hands up, takes three or four steps back and and just then walks away. (laughs) Jesus. That's awesome. That's so scary. Um, that's that's awesome. What a great um story about like what it's like. Like you could almost do a whole movie about uh what it's like to be a crew member on a on a Borat film. Um, oh, very <laughs> much the so. Sounds of it because it's so. In that instance, you um you were sort of playing the part of a security guard. I'm interested to know, especially with the the kind of image that the Borat universe sets up of Kazakhstan as kind of like a backwards, very low tech kind of place. Is there was there ever a moment where you or someone on your team? Like, are you playing a character when you're on set? Like, in that in that instance, you're a security guard. But does anyone ever have to play like someone from Kazakhstan or someone who looks like they know Borat or would be like Borat? No, none of the crew, none of the crew were ever filmed on purpose. Right, right. I mm. um, we we weren't we weren't part of the furniture, as it were. Uh, for the debutante ball, we actually had four background actors there. Mm-hmm. who were an alternate film crew in the MC. Right. Okay. Mm. And they were on film, but mm. the crew none of the crew themselves were ever recorded. Nice. Good to know. And when when uh when the jig was up in the debutante ball which was after the dance scene, <laughs> I my part of my job for that day was the background PA. So mm-hmm. I was in charge of those four for background actors. So I I had the I had my SUV ready and they came, they snuck out and we were the first people off location. Nice. Mm. And to make sure that they were they were safe and taken care of. Mm. The full-time security detail with the exception of the head of the team were all former Mossad. Mm-hmm. Mm. Which was always which was humorous in the fact that when it came out that I'm Jewish, the first question they would ask me is, do I speak Hebrew? <laughs> I do not, but I, I know enough, I know enough to, to, to follow conversation. Yeah. Mm. I, the joys of teaching Jewish religious school for many years. <laughs> nice. Um, I'm curious. You mentioned there about um, the debutante ball that you had like a vetting process. Was that just put, mm-hmm. put people in a room and go, what, what do you think of Bora? And if they go, I haven't seen it. They go, cool. You can come. <laughs> <laughs> I was not involved in the vetting process that was handled by our field producers. Right. And I have no idea what they did in order to be able to say if someone was vetted or not. Wow. Yeah. That's such a fascinating thing. Yeah. 
Yeah, I watched a um a behind the scenes video where um Sasha Baron Cohen talked about how they worked out that if they put him in in ginger in a ginger wig, that people were less likely to recognize him as Borat and so that's why so many of the characters that Borat plays is like a redhead because that right because yeah because the because the character is dark mm. and that's what people are expecting mm. yeah um so is there a, like did you witness any instances of someone recognizing Borat or recognizing Sasha Baron Cohen outside of the 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 uh, mask rally of course um, which is the sort of famous story. Is there any other times where like something had to be adjusted because someone worked it out or realized? I have. I mm. one of the QAnon guys was a second choice. Wow. I uh, and we had to go back and refilm the, the scene where he was getting picked up. I uh, to go to the to go to the QAnon house. Mm-hmm. The original choice figured out he was Borat. Wow. Wow. And then was was I uh, he was paid and asked to go home. That's so interesting. So the house that they filmed in wasn't their house. They were set up by the It was production. an Airbnb. Right. That's so cool. It's so cool to work out how how like cuz that I think is one of the most like I mean there's so many mind-blowing moments in the movie, but one of it for me was just like you're telling me like Sasha Baron Cohen pretended to be Borat while cameras weren't rolling like for 5 days in this in for this five one days. house. That's crazy. That's so interesting. They had to install fiber into the house to be able to handle the amount of cameras and data that was yeah. flowing through there. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Because that I, uh, you all those camera angles are hidden cameras throughout the house, mm-hmm. mm. so they were all I. They were all linked to a master system that was recording it all. Yeah. So we were basically live streaming for five days. Fuck. <laughs> that's so much fucking data. That's so much. That, oh my god. Because that, that's like, at the same time, I'm not surprised in the sense of like the amount of footage that was captured. It would have to be something like that, mm-hmm. I guess, you know? Wow. That's so interesting. Yeah. Everything, nothing was done ad hoc. Everything yeah, yeah. was planned meticulously. Mm. Um, I do actually have a, mo- uh, a story with me interacting with Sasha for the first time. Tell us, please. Mm. Well, it, it had already come out that I can draw mm. and... Uh, I was asked to uh, to draw out the room layout for the mansion we filmed in it for the debutante ball mm-hmm. because they needed to figure out what movement they were going to do, what rooms they were going to be in, and the exit plan. Mm-hmm. And so, but they wanted it on a larger thing, larger than a computer screen. So they got one of the giant dry erase boards, and I'm a I'm a hardcore long term tabletop gamer, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> using Using years of map skills, uh, I hand-drew the map from my tablet onto the dry erase board. (laughs) And it was was to scale. And they were – you had all the producers, uh, Sasha and Maria, uh, the writers, and all the crew that was going to be involved in there, sound, camera, costumes, everybody, uh, art department, they were all there. And the entire room stops 
because they're all looking at me, me not noticing a thing, hand drawing the map. <laughs> I and then I finish and I have this circle around me, including Sasha. And I look directly at him and says, Is there anything else you need, sir? And he <laughs> had this he had this moment of being taken aback because everyone either called him the nickname, the, the character nickname for while he was on set or, or Sasha, they, they were just very casual with him. Mm. And here I am in complete seriousness and respect and it completely <laughs> coughed him off guard. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> and uh, he said, no, that that's everything we need at the moment. I said, thank you very much, sir. And went and got, got out and left the room because I wasn't needed in there. Mm. And I then, uh, when we were in Eugene in Oregon, months later, he's getting his, a costume fitting for New York. Mm-hmm. And figuring out how they wanted to do, how they wanted to do things. And I'm sitting in the room as a representative of production. And he comes in, he's doing his thing, and he pipes up and says, is there someone from production here? And I immediately stand up and said, that's me, sir. And he said, Lou, good to see you. How have you been? <laughs> that's awesome. And he knew everyone on the crew. I knew stuff about, knew stuff about them and was genuinely happy to see all of us. Mm. And once the pleasantries were done, he told me what he wanted. I conveyed it to production and then he went back to doing what he was doing to set, setting up for New York. And I, then I, then he was at, he asked to clear some of the room because there was too many people in there for his taste. And I said, and I was one of the people to go out and I just stayed outside because I needed to be around if they needed me. Mm-hmm. Nice. I, so Sasha is incredibly nice, in, incredibly kind, and so thoughtful. Nice. If That's I ever had the opportunity to work for him again, I would do so in a heartbeat. Nice. Mm-hmm. It's adorable. <laughs> but I, I guess as well because of the, how unique of a production it was, they're like there would have been, like you know, the, the pandemic happens, sees you all this time later. Like the genuine like joy and relief that you would feel, like being like, ah, oh, you're back and you're all right, you know. <laughs> well, it, it the project itself had some really amazing aspects to it. I uh, as soon as the pandemic hit, they rewrote the back half of the script. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they they rewrote half the script and. When they got finished filming, they completed the post-production in two months. Wow. Yeah, I heard that it was one of the fastest post-production turnarounds in like... Ever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know much exactly. about the original script? I do know a lot about the original script. I never read it yeah. mm-hmm. because as a production assistant, I did not need to know what was happening that day. It wasn't in my purview. Yeah. I still have my copies of the original scripts that I had, mm-hmm. but they're not something I would send out in public consumption. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm interested to know, uh, was like, and and we sent you these questions ahead of time, so for anyone mm-hmm. listening who thinks I'm going, you know, being a bit brash by asking this, um, is there was there an expectation from the crew to be like, politically aligned with the message of the film like i can't imagine there were any pas or anyone who was like a trump supporter or even like a republican like it it feels like um it's such a politically charged film and i'm interested to know if there's if there's an expectation to be on board behind the scenes 
There wasn't. I'm. Mm-hmm. Um, we had members of the crew who are. We had members of the crew who were centralists, like myself, or liberal. I mm-hmm. uh, or further liberal. Uh, we did have some conservative people involved, but at the end of the day, none of us talked about politics. We were there <laughs> oh, wow. to create a create a product uh, and create a piece of art. I uh, the most politically charged scene of it all was uh, was CPAC, mm-hmm. where Sasha and two of our stunt team went in in Trump costumes. Yeah, yeah. And then one of our producers went in KKK robes. <laughs> <laughs> ah, so that wasn't Borat going in there. No, I, Sasha was only the first one. Right. There you go. And uh, Sasha was the first one, and then we had two, we had two members of our, our stunt team that were there for the second and third ones because there was more scenes that had to get filmed. Mm. All three of them were taken back by security and release. Mm-hmm. And the producer in the KKK robes mm-hmm. was never stopped. <laughs> Fit right in. <laughs> uh, which is still blows my mind that they never, never gave him pause or anything. Yeah, mm. man far out (laughs) that's insane that part is still very wild to me Mm. did you see uh was there any like do sasha and or maria do they like break character between takes do you are you ever looking at borat and he's speaking in a reasonably posh british accent or anything like that when we were filming and there wasn't and we weren't in c2 where like we were actually stuck someplace Mm -hmm. um and we had people around i'm they broke character all the time right. between takes because mm. uh, Sasha was giving instruction and he gave instruction as Sasha, <laughs> not as Borat. Mm. Wow. And That's legitimately interesting to know because it could really go either way. I would not have been surprised if between takes you've got Borat being like, okay, so now this next scene, we're going to do this. And like, you know, it could yeah, really go uh, at, the, at the end of the day, <laughs> Sasha was Sasha when – he needed to be Sasha and he was Borat when he needed to be Borat. Nice. Interesting. Mm. And working with Maria was, was amazing. Mm. She is such a good actress. Yeah. Mm. No, I, I, I had her picked for, um, for best actress at the Oscars. I thought she did an incredible job. She's the, the heart and soul of the film and a, and a film that didn't need a heart and soul. It's crazy. Her quality of her quality of performance was just so spot on and so honest. Mm. Uh, and so moving mm. i i remember we were filming the uh the get her being released from the cage mm-hmm. yeah uh, to, <laughs> and how the performance you were getting from both of them and even with us being there way late um she never complained and she she kept up with sasha yeah. and when she had to stay in character the whole time she stayed in character the whole time that's awesome. <laughs> she does have the same accent, I think, as your character, which I think is probably the most, um, uh, would be the most distinguishing thing between uh, seeing someone in character and not in character. But that's really cool. That's good to know. It's it's cool to hear how like professional and like kind and stuff everyone was. Mm. We were really lucky. Uh, for me personally, working on Borat reshaped my career. That's awesome. Wow. I had been slowly getting into uh, the camera department, specifically media managing and digital loading, 
which for English, for those who don't know, uh, because we're working with digital cameras, uh, you need someone who basically stewards the media through its its life cycle on set, mm-hmm. and that's what the digital loader does. Yeah. They're in charge. They're in in charge of the media, making sure that it goes into the camera and it's formatted and ready to go. And then when it's done being filmed on, I uh, it comes out. We scrub it for to make sure that the footage is clean, that there's no corruptions on the file, mm. and then put it onto uh, offload it onto multiple hard drives so that so that the digital image technician I uh, can get it ready for the editors. Nice. That was the direction I was heading in. I I also do some camera assisting where I'm actually working on the camera itself. I'm not operating it but making sure that it's ready to be operated. Yeah, yeah. And I was doing a little bit here and a little bit there. And so I wanted to talk to our DIT and say, well, what do you recommend? And I was expecting about like a half hour, hour talk. And it, it turned into a four hour conversation where we closed out the hotel bar <laughs> and a invitation to interview with their company. That's and awesome. I, I interviewed, I, they brought me on. I'm an apprentice with them. And for the last three features that I've worked on, I've been working with them and their system and I wouldn't have been in the position to do this sort of thing had not I been on Borat. Borat no. 2, changing lives. Changing lives. Very much the world. so. <laughs> um, just, to, just to sort of focus on, on wrapping up, thank you for um, taking the time out of your day to talk to us, Lou. Um, Absolutely. Just thought we'd, we'd quickly ask, do you, are there any other stories you want to tell us? Do you, have a, do you have a best day or worst day on set that you want to... Tell tell us about. Well, I told you the stories from the debutante ball, which mm-hmm. which are very no, very noteworthy for me. Yeah, the Trump costume that Sasha was to be wearing mm-hmm. was flying in from the was being shipped in from the UK. Yeah, and it did not arrive in Georgia before we left for Washington D.C. Mm. So I had to wait the whole weekend. <laughs> for uh for it to arrive <laughs> and i had an suv at the time yeah so i was gonna sh- drive it drive it up and then drive and then drive stuff back to georgia yeah and we had a barber's chair that we were using for him to get stuff set up so i had to break that down and then i had multiple departments saying here we couldn't fit this could you take this up and i said yeah i could take this up that shouldn't be a problem mm-hmm. well the box ended up being much larger than I was expecting. <laughs> so I had to completely re-Tetris my car. And <laughs> every inch of space in my car that was not occupied by me was occupied by stuff. <laughs> and I, t- I took photographs of how Tetris deep I had my vehicle <laughs> and I had members of the crew just had their jaws drop of, how did you do that? Yeah, yeah. Mm. And then first time on set in, in Washington where I was driving the RV and our first assistant director was saying, okay, everyone give Lou a little bit, uh, a little bit of space. This is his first time, dri- his first time doing driving. And I, my window was down and I laughed <laughs> to the point that I am, um, that it almost stopped, stopped everyone for a second. And People looked and said, I've been driving non-union transpo for three years. <laughs> this is just my first time driving an RV. The only thing different was knowing where the generator turned 
we were able to, uh, we picked up a production assistant in Seattle because we needed an extra set of hands. Mm -hmm. And it was his first time being a PA. And he, this was what he, he wanted to do. And due to the fact my car was broken into in Oregon, I couldn't leave to go to New York with them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So right. we sent him. Nice. And it led, and he did great. And it led him to uh, fly back to when they flew, flew him back. He went up to Seattle, got his things, and moved to LA and finished the entire movie. Wow. With That's and awesome. now he's living. He's living in LA, working as a PA down there. Yeah, there you go. The places the industry takes you. <laughs> yeah, I because I was unable to go, it gave him the opportunity to really show how good he was, and the project kept him on until the end. Awesome. What do you think of Borat too? <laughs> What's the? I was really impressed. Yeah. <laughs> Honestly, I was really impressed by it. I I was going into it with the. Oh, this is just going to be another Borat movie mm-hmm. or one of, or Bruno or the dictator. Mm-hmm. Cause it, the, my opinion of stuff was really starting to diminish mm-hmm. as different projects were go- coming down. <laughs> sort of like what I, what I talked about in my video that like. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Like, like what you talked about in your video. Mm-hmm. And just like you had said, like who's America, I, uh, things started to change. Mm-hmm. Uh, a number of the crew had worked with him on who's America. Yeah. Yeah. So these were all people he had an established relationship with. Yeah. Mm. And we got to, uh, we did a, a film screening over Amazon screening mm-hmm. because pandemic was still going on. We were all over the country. There wasn't going to be an in-person showing. Yeah. yeah. And I watch it uh, while staying with friends in Seattle. Mm-hmm. And it just blew my mind, <laughs> honestly. That's awesome. I, it, it was nothing of what I was expecting and I was watching it with my roommates at the time, and I was then pointing out of, and I was there, and I was there, and I was there. I, <laughs> uh, the bathroom scene. Um, the reason why there's a guy with his face blurred out mm. was he was not vetted. He was just a guy going to the bathroom that I couldn't stop. I was the PA on, the, <laughs> I was the PA on the bathroom door trying to keep people out so they could film. And he just blew right past me. <laughs> and that was the take that they, they went with because it, it was the best one. And it's funny. It's a good comedy beat to have just a random, like, cause because the face is blurred, you know, it's an actual civilian. Yeah. Walking yeah. Well, the and then the field producer, the field producers, uh, accosted him afterwards trying to uh, offering him money <laughs> and trying to get him to sign a photo release mm-hmm. he called the cops on us <laughs> <laughs> that's crazy wow we had to bail because we found out the cops were called and all of us got off the last vehicle was getting out of that gas station mm. as the first cop was pulling in. <laughs> no. This is so exciting. We could probably talk to you for another hour if if, if we had the time. But um, thank you so much for for chatting with us, Lou. Um, is there you're very welcome? Is there anything else that you've got going on at the moment that you want to talk about or you want to plug? Up to you. I'm, I assume a lot of the stuff you're working on, you can't really tell us what it is. But well, I am um, project wise. I there's not a lot of that I. I can, no, I'm stuck under NDAs on yeah. what I'm working <laughs> on good. at the that's moment, <laughs> I, but I do, I do have an Instagram cool. that documents my travels and adventures. I'm oh, definitely going to follow you there. Uh, and it's, uh, 
it's Greeny and Crew. So Green, I-E, and Crew all spelled out. Awesome. I, it's currently starring, uh, I have a plushy a plushy Eevee that mm-hmm. I got when I was working the 2019 uh, Pokemon World Championship. <laughs> I was the production assistant for the Twitch broadcast. Mm, nice. <laughs> nice. And uh, I bought one of the custom Pokemon that the Pokemon company made for the event specifically. Yeah. And he serves as my photograph focus as I document my travels, the projects that I work on and the food that I eat. Cause I'm a bit of a foodie. Yeah. Nice. Well, we'll put a link to that in the, in the show notes of this episode. Um, and yeah, uh, thank you for coming on. We've got one final question. Just to finish off. Um, I have to ask, Absolutely. can you do a Borat impression? I do. Uh, very nice. Very <laughs> cool. Were people doing that on set? Like, were people? No. Actually, there was. It, it, we weren't allowed to do anything like that. I love that at all. That's so funny. I, because, because specifically, one, it could have been considered mocking. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and would have been disrespectful to Sasha. Mm-hmm. And two. The ND, we were under a $5 million NDA. <laughs> <laughs> That's so scary. Wow. Awesome. Well, hey, thank you, Lou. We'll let you go now. Um, but yeah, thank you for talking to us. And um, best of luck with all your future endeavors. It sounds like you've got some exciting stuff coming up. And we'll put a link to your Instagram in our show notes. Um, and we'll follow you there as well. Thank you so much. I just had a, a movie uh, a movie I worked on uh, premiere at Tribeca this year. Oh, cool. Uh, Clean by Adrian Brody. Oh, nice. Mm. Awesome. I'll check that out as well. All right, Richard, that was our interview with Lou Glucove. What'd you think? Better than I remembered. Yeah, that's good. At the time, you're stoned out of your mind. Not. not... <laughs> um, yeah, so thank you very much for listening, everybody. If this is your first ever podcast by Cult Popshire, then please consider following us. We do all sorts of things. Um, we we watch Mainly we watch film franchises and analyze them. So if you're new and film is an interest of yours you may like our show um so stay tuned and if you're already a fan i don't need to say anything to you except thank you um <laughs> but please and you're looking you're, nice today <laughs> yes <laughs> um please consider supporting us you can like us on all the social media pages facebook instagram youtube and um, there are also there will also be a link to lose instagram in the show notes um you can also support us on patreon if you so choose patreon.com slash and join our discord server where you can talk with our little community about whatever you want to talk to them about um and yeah after this after this music stops playing we're going to do a little thing called the post credit scene uh, but other than that thank you richard thank you aj and thank you lou glukov and thank you borat Welcome, everybody, to the post credit scene. This is a little segment at the end of each episode where if you donate $5 or more over at patreon.com slash you get to give us something to talk about in this, the post credit scene. It can be a question, it can be a little game, or it can be, like, uh, something that will actually take effort that we'll need to plan ahead for. And we'll and put we'll off for months. Pushed, <laughs> put off for months, exactly. Um, so... Richard, post-credit scene. What? Who is this post-credit scene from, and what does it say? This comes to us from Vincent Lara, who says, "Hey, who says, 
what a piece of media that is perfect in your mind, but you don't want to revisit because you know it won't hold up. Mm. My answer for this is probably Lost. Yeah, what a fucking good answer. Um, Yeah, man. (laughs) Yeah, Lost is like, I look back so fondly. It's like the my experience watching that is uh for the first time like as it was as it was airing like watching every episode the day it came out like as it aired mm. on on free to air television that's like that that'll never be replicated for me i don't think um yeah like i, I don't think in, in the entire six seasons i don't think i ever like taped a show and watched it the next day you know whereas like Mm. in the world of streaming now and whatnot it's it's not as urgent to watch things and you know some of my favorite shows i'll be like "Eh, whatever you know i'll go i'll check it out tomorrow i'll wait till the season's out and then binge the whole thing um but yeah lost was this like very special uh religious experience for me Mm. uh every week and i I've, i've revisited um parts of it um i i've i've tried i tried to get my ex-girlfriend to um to watch it and got like two or three episodes in and then it kind of just fell by the wayside it broke up um it's yeah yeah <laughs> um because she didn't like it <laughs> um yeah. and yeah so i i don't i don't know that i would make it through that i would want to mm. watch the whole thing again just because it's it's such a perfect memory yeah, I'm in a similar space with Lost. I've the I've got the like bumper DVD box sets that are just mm. collecting dust on my shelf and have mm. been there for years. Um, I, on a similar token, I feel like as each year passes, um, it's going to be less and less easy to return to Scrubs, um, which is a show which was like really really important to me mm. as I sprouted into adulthood. But not only is it now, like, contains a lot of sort of stuff that the, the show creators and, and stars have acknowledged. There's a couple as, of bits of blackface. Yeah, yeah, that sort of thing. Um, but it's also like a format of sitcom that no longer really exists and I think can feel a little quaint watching with with its, like, jazzy musical cues at the start of each episode. And, and like, because TV, I feel like TV moves on faster than film does yeah, so sure. it's it's a very old i mean you could say the same thing for lost probably in terms of the way it does drama hmm. uh, revolutionary at the time that is now yeah but it was not limited. commonplace in the sense that it's it's we're yeah. passed by it now and, and and lost was um suffered from the fact that like sh- it was before shows could just be like 10 episodes especially like dramas mm. that yeah, they, yeah. they have to be 24 episode seasons and boy did they not need yeah. to be <laughs> yeah boy oh boy yeah nice there you go uh, but i Sweet. also just want to say scrubs i is i, I still love scrubs well, i and still I, love and, it. and i revisit I still it. love lost i revisit it all the time well i envy you many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out my solution is plush care PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. 